coming to you from beyond the veil, where anything is possible and nothing is beyond your reach, where time and space are figments of your imagination and life is but a dream. Open your minds, open your hearts, and get ready for a one-way trip into the unknown. This is Messages from the Multiverse with Ian R. Anderson, Certified Hypnotherapist. Hello, and thank you for joining us here at Hypnotropia in Encino, California for Messages from the Multiverse. Out of appreciation for all our listeners, we're offering a special summertime rate from June 1st through August 31st. All you have to do is mention this episode to receive 25% off your hypnotherapy sessions all summer. Hypnotherapy is not just a way to relax and treat yourself to a massage for your mind. It's a natural and extremely effective way to manage pain, break bad habits, connect more deeply with yourself, your loved ones, and the world around you, or to explore your spiritual nature through past life regression or lucid dreaming. Here at Hypnotropia, we can help you build your confidence, enhance your creativity, release anger, or live a more present and mindful life. It's all up to you. There is no limit to what a person can achieve when they're motivated, and we can even help you with that. You can contact me at ian at hypnotropia.com. That's I-A-N at H-Y-P-N-O-T-R-O-P-I-A dot com. For more information on this deal, to schedule your sessions, or to inquire about our gift certificates. We also offer special rates for students, firefighters, EMTs, members of law enforcement, and veterans or active members of the armed forces. And the greatest thing about hypnotherapy is that it doesn't even require you to be local. As long as you can hear my voice, whether by phone or Skype, We can achieve equally amazing results as if you are right here in person. This episode is one I have been waiting to do since before this podcast was even started. As all our regular listeners know, we promote the multidimensional model of the universe here at Hypnotropia. We accept that life is eternal, that birth and death are only transitions from one state of being to another, and that consciousness and love are the most powerful forces in creation. Since consciousness and love are so powerful, even the veil between the living and the dead can be pierced at times. And our guest today is going to share her work with us to demonstrate this fact. Maureen McGill, MA, BFA, author, is an associate professor of theater and dance at Pacific Lutheran University in Tacoma, Washington for over 38 years. She directed the university dance ensemble and taught courses in dance, movement, choreography, and continues to teach now in the area of the healing arts of mind and body at the university. Maureen's keen interest in the intuitive arts has expanded her curiosity to the spiritual side of life. Maureen is a featured reader of tarot in the Pacific Northwest, appears at intuitive arts fairs in the Seattle region, and is a frequent guest on local and international radio networks. Her work has opened doors using symbols and metaphors to help those find light in the midst of loss and grief. It is a positive experience to share in the healing messages of the tarot. Maureen is the recent author of the nonfiction book, Baby, It's You!, Messages from Deceased Heroes, released by Ozark Mountain Publishing. This compelling, inspirational collection of true-life messages from the other side shared by widows, family members, and friends of military opens our hearts to the unending love connections that never die. The book is available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. Maureen McGill is the co-author with Nola Davis of Live from the Other Side, a non-fiction book published by Ozark Mountain Publishing. It is a collection of real-life stories of communication from the other side. She's a member of the International Association of Near-Death Studies, where she has presented at conferences in Seattle, Newport Beach, and Denver. She is a board member of the Seattle IANS organization, and she is also a member of the Military Writers Society of America. 
So let's connect with Maureen and discuss her new book, Baby It's You, Messages from Deceased Heroes. Okay, so we have Maureen McGill here, author of Baby It's You, Messages from Deceased Heroes. Hi, Maureen. Thanks for being here with us at Messages from the Multiverse. Thank you for having me on this evening or this morning or whenever anyone's listening. <laughs> well, it could be any time, any day. Uh, the, the wonderful thing about the Internet is that they can listen to it 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Hopefully in a, in a thousand years, people will still be listening to this episode. Terrific. <laughs> and, and we'll be on the other side. Maybe we can send them a message and let them know we're watching. So uh, here we are to, to talk about your book. Um, congratulations, by the way. Uh, it was a really great book. I loved it. And uh, I want to know um, what inspired you to write Baby It's You. Well, Ian, I have always been interested in this awareness that extends beyond the body. And as a dancer, and I've had a dance career for many years, uh, associate professor at Pacific Lutheran University, directing a dance ensemble, and I've always believed, you know, that this awareness extends beyond the body. So I became interested in the healing arts, which then opened a door for me to kind of study the International Association of Near-Death Studies, where people flatline, you know, go over and then come back. Right. And I became very interested in attending these meetings, and now I'm on the board of the Seattle uh, International Association of Near-Death Studies. And anyway, at each meeting, two people would speak about their near-death experiences. And it was so enlightening to me that so many of these experiences were similar uh, of what it's like on the other side. And these people didn't know each other, you know, from month to month as they described their experiences at each meeting. So I became interested in that. And then uh, there was a sabbatical project that I was looking for um, several years back, and I brought somebody on board who's the CEO of a healthcare corporation, and together we sat down and wrote live from the other side. And I collected the messages of loved ones who passed over and would bring back a message to their loved one might be a smell or a sound or it might be the lights going on and off like electronics different ways that the message comes through or maybe through the senses so anyway i wrote that live from the other side and then when we finished that project i turned to my co-author nola davis and i said you know nola i think i'm going to do the next one about soldiers and that's where i came up with baby it's you messages from deceased heroes and i'd like to do that on my own so i was able to connect with several people who had lost loved ones in the war or suicide or stateside accident. And uh, they were able to give me their messages or their experiences that they had. And uh, I wrote the book from that. And there's three surviving heroes in the book. And there's also a couple of stories from 9-11 in the book because I felt like those people were heroes as well. And how long did it take for you to build the, the, uh, the full collection of stories that you use in the book? You know, it took about a year and a half, almost two years, to just build the stories of which ones that we were going to use. And my book was published by Ozark Mountain Publishing, and they focus on metaphysical books. And uh, that's how it began. That's how it unfolded. So what was your intention in writing the book? Did you have a specific um, audience that you were writing it for? Did you have a specific message that you wanted to communicate with the book? So I think my main emphasis or my main intention with the book is to know really that the the love that we have for each other is eternal and it continues to go and we can continue to receive messages if we just open to that 
um, communication or that phone line onto the other, from the other side. So it's a healing. I think I, I thought of it as a healing technique, a technique that no that gives us confidence that our loved ones truly don't die, that love is eternal, and that there's hope through the messages. Okay, and, and with these with these messages and an individual being open to receiving them, is it is it the love for the person, do you think, that attracts the message or that, that opens them up to the ability to receive the message? Is it that love that connects them with the spirit? Um, or is it is it their intuition? What do you think about how that communication is facilitated? Well, I truly believe it is a love that connects us, you know, to the other side. And it might not be a direct communication. So let's say your grandmother died, but then, you know, your great aunt comes through with the message. So I believe that that love thread on the other side continues. And it really doesn't matter who gives the message. The, the fact is that the message comes through. And it's an unending love connection that, to me, that never dies. So I believe the intuition, all the same, love, threads, whatever you might want to call it. Okay. And in, in your book, there are many stories. And one of them, uh, the, the actually the first one, the one about Patrick McCaffrey, um, is a really interesting, really touching story. And it goes through many of many examples of the different ways that spirit is able to send messages um, through dreams, through electronics, photographs, synchronicities, um, and of course music, uh, which was one of the the main themes of your book. Um, can you talk a little bit about Patrick McCaffrey's story and, and what you think the most important aspects of that story are? I think the most beautiful aspect of the story, and it was told to me by his mother, Nadia, who, by the way, Nadia McCaffrey has made an imprint for veterans across the country in helping veterans since her son's death. Right. Anyway, you know, Patrick, he was a mechanic on the West Coast, and um, he wasn't a soldier at all, but when 9-11 happened, he decided that he would enlist as a volunteer in the National Guard. And by 2004, he was fighting, you know, in Iraq. And, you know, somehow Nadia was very tuned into her son. And because she had a near-death experience as a child, I think that, that she's heightened in terms of her intuition abilities. And she always had a kind of funny feeling that Patrick might not come back once he enlisted. And um, he and his uh, little daughter, he had a daughter and he had a son. And they were little. And the daughter was watching a movie with him. And this was the night before he was deployed for the final time. And it was uh, the Lion King movie. And uh, Mufasa, Mufasa is about to be killed in an ambush. And the little Janessa, who is Patrick's daughter, said, Daddy, Daddy, that's you. That's you dying. And Patrick kind of jumped from the couch, and he, he felt kind of a chill and went into his mom. Mom, you know, am I, am I not coming back, you know, this time? And, of course, Nadia wanted to give him confidence and, you know, said, this is just a baby, sweetheart. She doesn't really know, you know. But in her heart, somehow, I think she knew, and I think that Janessa might have even known as a two-year-old, which mm. is really pretty remarkable, you know. Yeah. And so, anyway... Um, it's a it's an involved story, you know, of how his death unfolds over in Iraq, Iraq, and it's basically friendly fire that he dies of, and so it's a, it's covered by the military, and so Nadia is on a big quest and a big mission to find out the truth about you know how he really died when he did die, and um, it wasn't I think it was maybe about six months later, you know, that his wife had a dream about Patrick. 
um, and the dream was that he was all dressed in white and he looked really young. And you know, Ian, I find in many of these stories that people will often look younger and they'll look freed from their wounds, freed from the hardships that they had when they were here, much much more youthful if they were older when they died. And I think maybe that's connected to a vibration on the other side. A vibration is much faster. You know, as children, our vibrations are very fast. You know, in a youth, our vibrations are very fast. But when hardships come through, you know, that vibration might slow down. So I think it's kind of interesting that the other side to me has perhaps a faster vibration. So anyway, you know, he comes through um, to her and um, she says, you know, can I hold you, baby? You know, she really wants to be able to touch him. And, um, you know, he says, she, and then she, he says, you know, I can't really hold you now. And she kind of fell deep asleep in a dream. But then when she woke up, she could smell his cologne in the bedroom. And fragrance is another way, you know, that they kind of penetrate that veil when they come through. Yeah. And so she said, Maureen, it was just so real, you know. Anyway, um, this was a very strange situation with Nadia, though, um, about a waking vision. It wasn't really a dream. It was a waking vision, but it was at night. And I uh, told you that Patrick had two children, a son and a daughter. Mm -hmm. And Nadia um, has this waking vision where Patrick comes to her, and he's in his fatigues, and he says to his mom, my son. And she kind of sits up in bed because it's kind of halfway between waking and sleeping. And she thinks, oh, my gosh, there's something wrong with my grandson. I better call my daughter-in-law. So she calls the daughter-in-law, and her grandson is just fine, fine, no problem, no problem. And then she has that same experience again. And Patrick is really, seems real, like he's right in the room. And he whispers to his mom, and he says, my son. And then she's really freaking out about the grandson. So she calls the grandson herself, and talks to him and he's fine everything's okay grandma there's nothing to worry about and then of course it's the third time that she has the dream and it's the same thing again and he says my son so after the third dream Nadia receives a phone call the next morning and it's a young man on the other line and he's really upset and he's crying and he's crying and she says who are you who are you my name is Florentino. And he said, my mother told me that Patrick is my father and he's dead now. Oh my gosh, you know, Nadia says, you know, who, who, who are, you know, who is your mother? And the young man says, my mother was Monique. And this was someone that Patrick dated in high school and they broke up kind of suddenly. And Patrick didn't really know why they broke up. And all he knew was that Monique was deciding to move away and he never knew about the child. And DNA tests actually confirmed that this was Patrick's son. And so she brought the families together, uh, Nadia did, which was a really loving thing to do. And she said, Maureen, I could not believe the characteristics of this boy it was so similar to my son. He liked the same sporting team her son liked. He ordered the same thing at the restaurant. So she knew, you know, that this was Patrick. But Patrick never knew that information before he died. He did not know. So here he came through the veil from the other side to, to, to you know, tell her this information and to prepare her for this information. So he knew about it. And so yeah. to me, that was just totally fascinating to me. Yeah, that, that's a great confirmation. Not only that, um, that he's 
still existing on the other side, but that while on the other side, you have access to information and the ability to share that information with people who are here on this side. Now, what I also found really interesting and, and really wonderful about that story was the fact that those two families were brought together in a way that may not have been possible or may not have been comfortable, um, you know, had Patrick been alive. And that those two families being brought together with these messages or this information that was being communicated to his mom were able to experience some healing and some peace because of it. That is so well said. And it's really interesting to think that, you know, those people here on this side were open enough to bring this loving family together. There could have been so much conflict regarding the situation, but there was, you know, and Nadia was really forthright in making that happen. So I thought that was quite beautiful. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Thank you for telling the story. Now, one thing that I've noticed is that with adults, they, they seem to pick up on the, the fragrances, the maybe more subtle kind of messages, um, you know, hearing one's voice or feeling one's, uh, a loved one's presence. Whereas with the children, it seems that they are often more open to the experience of actually seeing the full body apparition or the the or experiencing the full presence or even having a kind of face-to-face conversation with their loved one is that something that you've noticed also are the are the kids do the kids seem to be more um open in their perceptions of people on the other side and their messages you know, and i think so i think and that's because of that vibration you know that is youthful that's open that hasn't been tainted by any other kinds of thoughts about you know that that veil who knows who knows what the real reason is i don't really know but there is a story in the book and i won't use the names but there's a story in the book where these where two children have lost their dad and this is their first in the um, you know in the service and this is their first day to go to school of the school year and um, they were waiting for the bus with their mom on the steps and they left the steps and they got they were starting toward the school bus and they turned around to wave to their mom and both of the children kind of turned stark white you know Mm-hmm. And she said, what's wrong? What's wrong? You know, and they, then they ran back to the a stairwell and they said, we just saw dad standing next to you. We just saw him, you know, waving to us. So they both saw, you know, the dad standing on the porch in his uniform and how beautiful that is. And I don't know what that is. Again, if this, to me, it's that vibration that's youthful, that's open, that allows that intuition to be, um, you know, maybe more mobile or something. I don't know what it is that allows that to come through. Yeah, and, and talk about confirmations. Another great confirmation that there's an actual experience going on is when two people are sharing the same experience. Yes, you know, I have another story in the book. Um, it's called the stories about Vito and his daughter. Mm. And he had been he had been away in war and he was estranged from his daughter. And even when she he came back from the war, he was not able to see his daughter and he was really quite heartbroken and his daughter had a very strange cancer disease and he still couldn't see her or whatever well anyway um it was um it was the day i think of obama's um inauguration and Vito, the soldier he was upstairs in his house he was over here in the states and his son was in in another room and he was in his office and there was a stairwell in between and he heard a voice that said dad dad are you there are you there and at that moment 
He ran out into the stairwell and so did his son. They both heard the voice and he said it was his daughter, Ariel's voice. He knows that that was her voice. Well, he found out later that she had died on that day from this strange disease. He was sad and, you know, that he could never uh, have completed seeing her, you know, before she passed over. But he felt so comforted by the fact that, you know, she came through like that. And he said it was so real and his son heard the voice as well. Right. Remarkable to me. Yeah, and and that illustrates... um kind of two two different types of experiences that people have when it comes to the auditory message is that sometimes it seems like you're hearing the message in your mind, but sometimes there's actually a physical sound being made, it seems. Yes, and physical sounds, you know, transmit even through the audio, like with the transistor radio or the radio coming on or the song coming on in the car or in church or an elevator, wherever it might be. And it's like, how could that song possibly come on at that time? You know, it's, right. just, it's just remarkable. Yeah. You know, I, go ahead. I was going to say that I wrote a beautiful poem, uh, which is an introduction in the book, uh, which tells in these stories of Baby It's You, messages from de- deceased heroes, how the couples met in real life and then how they meet now uh, through this veil. So I'd like to, at some point during our conversation, share that poem with the with the audience. Yeah, that would be great. Maybe we can do that near the end of our conversation. Sounds great. I think that'd be a great way to close the episode. Now, um, you know, I'd, I'd really like to talk about the, the role that music plays in these messages because each one of these stories has a song associated with it. So... Can you talk a little bit about that and how you incorporated that in in your book? Music is a way that uh, we connect in relationship. Many times couples will identify a song which was their song. So in each of these stories in Baby It's You, Messages from Deceased Heroes, I've attached a song which was their song. It might have been from their wedding that they connected this song that they identified as their song. It might have just been a song that always, you know, that was something that they you know, that bound them together in terms of their hearts. You know, the vibration of music is a way that we really connect to our loved ones. Sometimes they might hear the song come up in church or in the elevator or kind of in the weirdest times, you know, that the song will come on and they'll go, you know, it's got to be him. You know, how how could that possibly be that that song came through like that, you know? Yeah, it it seems that um, that there's... It seems that there's that a synchronicity plays a major role in this because a lot of these songs, you're right, they come on and the person says it came on when they really needed to hear it or when they were really having a bad day or they were really missing that person. That's the time that these synchronicities happen, that the song comes on or even in, in one of the stories, um, 10 songs in a row came on and, and each one of them was emotionally significant to, to their relationship. And that seems to be, um, you know, a common thread. And that's interesting to me because it then makes me wonder how present with us are our loved ones, that they are aware of when we need that message. What do you think about that? You know, I think that it's another way that that love thread continues and it's often a happy vibration with songs. Not all songs. I mean, some songs might be melancholy or whatever. But often the the you know the whole idea of music and connecting to music is is a kind of dance for our souls. You know, to have music and it can be a happy vibration, a, a positive vibration. So I think on the other side, you know, it's a positive vibration for them to come through and 
you know, honor the song that was connected to them, you know, to their relationship or that they connected in their hearts. Right, okay. That's really interesting. I, I really like the fact that you incorporated music in, you know, the 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 song theme into the book. I found it to be different from a lot of the other books that I've read that, um, you know, tell the stories of, of afterlife communication. And one thing that really came through also was that, you know, the, the struggles of these families and friends of fallen soldiers, the, the struggles that they experience are really unique and different from, you know, what other people who, you know, may lose uh, a loved one to a disease or something like that. They, they have a lot of unique struggles that they go through because like you said sometimes they they just got married or you know a lot of the 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 stories in your book are about um you know people who were 22 23 years old when they were taken can you describe a little bit the type of loss and grief that these families and friends go through and the type of peace or closure or healing that they experience after receiving these messages of love from their their lost loved ones because oftentimes you know, these deaths came so suddenly, whether it been in the war where it was an explosion that happened or whether it was a stateside accident or whether it was suicide. You know, sometimes it happened very, very quickly. And because of that, I think that grief just slams your door closed and time stops when that happens. When you lose your loved one that quickly, you know, time truly does stop. And so when these widows or uh, mothers of soldiers who died or those who are left behind, family and friends, when they receive that message, it's just so comforting to know that they had a smell from their loved ones. You know, if you always bake chocolate chip cookies in the kitchen, they'd smell that chocolate chip cookies, you know, at the gravesite when they went to visit. It's like, what are those chances, you know? Or when they're driving along on the freeway and they smell that cologne and it's like, where's it coming from, you know? I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I've only had this experience maybe one or twice or one or two times in my life, and I thought it was absolutely remarkable, you know, um, that you can pick up a fragrance fragrance when the person is not even in the room or and or in physical body as well, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. That that is an experience that I've had before, as well as the the dream visitations, which I know are really common. Um, but there are also, you mentioned one story where, um, the, the man was visited by his daughter the day that she passed and, and that's really common too. And it's also common for visitations and messages to come through, um, like say the, the night before something happens. Are you aware of any, um, are you aware of any difference in the messages that come through or in the type of messages that come through depending on, you know, the, the length of time between how, you know, how long it's been since somebody has passed until when the message comes through or is the intensity and the, and the type of message kind of just um, consistent throughout the entire time? You know, I wouldn't say anything is consistent about this work in, in, uh, you know, bridging the science and spirituality. You can't really analyze it. Oh, it happens within an hour of them leaving or maybe within three days. Or as a Native American, uh, Native Americans say, you know, no, nothing should be connecting here for a year after the person's died. Mm. But I don't see any, I don't see any kind of uh, equation that says, you know, this is, this only happens two days after or one day after or different in terms of the experience. It doesn't seem that way. Some people really feel it immediately. Other people feel it several 
several days later. Now, I do think that sometimes that veil of grief is so heavy that we carry here and they carry there. They want, you know, there's loss about leaving sometimes I would think as well. And so it's like getting through that veil of heaviness and grief that has to come through. But, you know, some people say they got the message right away. Other people say it takes a long time. So who knows what the reason is why. We like to analyze it over here, but I don't know if we can really analyze it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Do you know of, of anything that somebody can do who's missing or grieving for someone that they've lost to cause themselves or help themselves be more open to receiving a message from their loved one? One of the things I would uh, have the audience think about are ways that they connected with their loved one when they were here. If they always talked in the kitchen, then maybe the message will come in the kitchen and set that intention for having that message in the kitchen. If you always talked in the car, then ask for the message to come in the car. But sometimes you need to be specific, like bring the bird to the window if you've got the message, you know, if we can connect here. Or show me a sign and, you know, the sign, you pass by a freeway sign that has some kind of connection to your loved one and you go, okay, now I get it, now I get it. So sometimes the message is indirect, it doesn't have to be direct. But for those who are listening, you know, if they can just set their intention, go into meditation, ask for the message but also allow the message to come in its own time when you least expect it. So you need to be kind of aware of when the message comes. And it can come in different ways. It doesn't have to be that direct modality of fragrance or, you know, seeing the loved one. Or to tell you the truth, I wouldn't want the lights to go on and off in my house. <laughs> but, you know, some of the widows here said that they didn't mind that. Or that TV, you know, changes stations to the program that he always watched or she always watched, you know. Um, but personally, I don't really want to have that happen in my life. <laughs> but um, I think it's interesting how the message can come through nature as well. So nature can bring it the bird to the window or they see the eagle or the symbol of the great spirit or whatever that might be as a symbol in their life. But it's the way they communicate it here sometimes will be the way that they will connect to us. I have an interesting story that I can share about my own life Um my dad was a salesman and he drove many miles and got a new car um, every two years because he drove so many miles and uh, i was on my way to actually a funeral and i was alone by myself and i was in the car it was a beautiful sunny day and i needed to go back to the university and i just really didn't feel good about going in the first place but i did and some little voice inside said, you know, don't drive along the waterfront here in the Northwest. Don't drive along the waterfront. It'll be crowded because it's a beautiful sunny day and we get a lot of rainy days. But something said, you know, just go ahead, drive the waterfront. So I went along the waterfront and I saw these group of GIs that were running along the waterfront. They were soldiers and they were running along the waterfront. And I thought, oh, how great, you know, they're out you know, getting in shape in the sunshine, they're away from the base. That must feel, feel very good. And then in the vehicle in front of me, I noticed it was a big SUV and it was filled with young gals. And in my mind's eye, I thought, oh, I hope they don't get distracted by the fellows. And then at that moment, I heard my dad's voice from the back seat go, Maureen, pump your brakes, pump your brakes. And I went, oh my gosh. Okay, so there's a, a slight impact because the gal in front of me slams on her brakes. There's a slight impact, there's a little dent. But you know, Ian, I could care less. I just pulled over to the side of the road and I said, hey, thanks, Dad, for being in the car. Oh, my gosh. 
I mean, to me, that was my own confirmation that they truly are with us, and and they come when we least expect it. And makes sense. My dad's in the car because he was always in the car, you know, when he was here on this planet. So, in body, you know. Well, that's a great story, and it also kind of suggests that that they have access to information that we don't have access to. Uh, you could say. Um, from the future, or maybe they see lines of cause and effect that we're not able to see. So it's it's the it's the openness and willingness, even the intention to take the information, to hear it, to receive it. That really is what that's what opens you up to the ability to get it. Is it not then? Yes. But okay. sometimes it's not even being open to it. It's like it's when you least expect it, it's there. I mean, Ian, you might be driving in your car and then you smell your grandmother's perfume. It's like, how did that happen, you know? Maybe it's just her coming through to say, hey, I'm with you, you know? Your wife isn't feeling well today. I'd like to, you know, I'd like you to know that, you know, we're around, we're helping, we're doing what we can. It's just interesting, you know? Yeah, so I guess the, the one consistent thing is that it's not really anything that we're able to, to kind of pin down from this side. You're right, it can't be analyzed. It can't be... Um, studied in a repetitive way or or be um, you know kind of understood in the the kind of chronological linear way that we are able to look at things here it might be a completely different type of reality that we're dealing with on the other side where perception and, and understanding communication happens in ways that go way beyond our ability to comprehend from this side you know the international association of near-death studies really bridges the science and spirituality so if your listeners would like to go on further and maybe study more in regards to the science of that of that connection you know they and the physics behind it they might want to go on and study you know deeper into the international association of near-death studies i watched cardiologists present um in meetings there uh at the national uh, international meetings for inner for ions and you know, it's interesting, you know, they'll be, you know, working on a patient and that patient will be completely under anesthetic, completely under anesthetic. And when that patient comes out of anesthetic, the patient will tell them what the conversation was with the surgeons in the room, will tell them what the room looked like, they'll, you know, tell them what was going on in the room. And so when the cardiologist said, you know, how do I explain that when that person is asleep, you know, there you go. They have the research out there. You just have to kind of dive into it and you know discover a little bit more about it right yeah and and that's that kind of brings us to one thing that is um kind of a topic that i've come to many times in this show which is the idea that consciousness is not created by the body it doesn't depend on the body for its existence although it is it is received or processed or transceived through the body the brain and um, the body don't necessarily create consciousness because consciousness is able to survive, awareness is able to survive and go on even after the heart has stopped, even after brain death, and after somebody has been completely interred and embalmed and buried or, or cremated, we're still able to get messages that, may, that still have a, that we can still recognize the personality of our loved ones in it. We, like you said, can hear their voice, can smell their cologne the, or the cigar that, that they smoked or, or something like that. I mean, these are things that are consistent with the personality of the person that we knew when they were alive. 
And that experience of somebody being under anesthesia and still being able to hear or somebody in the middle of, of an open heart surgery where their heart is stopped and they're, they're being kept alive by machines, but they're still able to see and hear what's going on. That kind of is, um, that suggests that there is something way beyond just the, the physical creation of consciousness from the body. What do you think? Do you agree with that, that consciousness goes beyond physical creation? It goes beyond physical creation and it's been confirmed in experience after experience and study after study. If your listeners just go further into the ions, they have done so much research on this in terms of bridging that expanded consciousness. So what do you think is the, the main resistance to adopting that as a known fact then because i I know that the the research has been out there for a long time and the the medical field is aware of it yet um, there's a there's still a huge part of the medical industry that doesn't treat that research as valid what do you think is the deal with that you know because we can't necessarily see (laughs) see this happening it's like I don't know, it, it's quantitative in a certain uh, regard, but not in another regard. So, you know, they they have to have the salt and pepper right in front of them, or they they have to have the quantitative, I guess, aspect of it for some. Or maybe it's just simply denial. You know, they don't want to look at this side. But I really think that this is changing, and it's so much different than it was even five years ago now in terms of this expanding awareness. I mean, even in television and uh, television programs you know you have these communications from mediums that are you know top top rated shows where um they're giving messages from the loved ones to the various families you know that they pick randomly you know when they're walking along the media might walk along so she's got a direct you know phone line to the other side and so i think that there's a much more acceptance now than there ever was before but like you said it's still going to take some time yeah and you know there's other things that have tainted it i think there are certain religions that don't believe and there's other religions that do believe so you know religion might have a certain aspect to this kind of spirituality as well and belief systems well what what are your um, favorite aspects of this work i think it's probably the social uh, communication with these widows and mothers and family members i think for me that that was just so uplifting to be able to listen to their story the press wants to know how they died. The press wants to know how the children are doing now. And it's like she wanted to tell me, you know, these remarkable experiences that no one would really validate for, you know, for the press. So to me, that was an honor to be a part of that uh, connection and now to share those stories uh, with everyone and to make that story universal so that we all can connect. I believe we can truly all connect and that love is truly eternal and never dies. Okay, so do you think that then there there are many other people who, uh, other families, other wives, other friends who are experiencing these messages and just not talking about it? Absolutely. Or they maybe just tell their closest friend or their closest, you know, family member. They might tell them, but they won't tell anybody else. They don't want to be criti- criticized or ridiculed because of it. Oh, that was... You know, that was nothing. How did you really think that happened? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a difference in these experiences. They, they're they very real. They're different than just like a normal dream that people have. Usually the receiver will wake up and there's sometimes a physical reaction like the hair on their arms will just stand up or they'll have a chill or 
that just knowing this, you know, that this person has been in the room or they had that smell, you know, that was in the room or the song or however it might be, the whisper in their ear or they felt their touch or their kiss. And it's like this knowingness that it was so real. It's different than other experiences. Yeah, sometimes it, it even seems more real than reality, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So are you still collecting stories? Are, are you planning on doing another another book in the future on this topic? You know, I've, I've been exploring this topic and am very interested in the, the direct communication that uh, mediumships have, uh, those who have talent with mediumship. I'm very interested in maybe exploring that a little bit deeper and further of how they get into that phone line to the other side. And so I've been kind of investigating that. And um, But right now I've been reaching out with baby and CO messages from deceased heroes to get the word out about the book. Okay. Well, I, I think I, I think now would be a really great time to hear that beautiful poem. I, I think it would be um, really great for our audience to hear it. I think that uh, it's just really beautiful. I think it sets the tone perfectly for the book. So if you're if you'd like to read that now, um, I'll take a back seat here and and just let you take control of the show. I'd love to read that poem to your audience. You know, there was a song back in the '60s by the Reflections called "Just Like Romeo and Juliet." All right now, I'm speculating, wonder what tomorrow's really going to bring. So these are true stories in the book of how the couples meet and then how they meet now. We met in the laundry room in college. He carried my underwear to the dorm room. In high school at a wrestling tournament, through my cousin, at Walmart where we worked, at a country bar on a Thursday night, at a nightclub on the dance floor, at a costume party with mask and a hat. We met on instant messenger. I was 17, he was 19, through his best friend, Jeremy. In grade school, when we played on the playground, we met on Facebook, and we were married after one month of dating at the pawn shop, on a blind date, on New Year's Eve, in the convertible when I stopped for a red light and he pulled up next to me, at Burger King, where we worked at age 16, on a website called Hot or Not, where we exchanged photos when he was a football player and I was a cheerleader. But we meet now in my dreams, in the hallway when I smell him, in bed when I feel his skin touch mine, when I see his silhouette, his shoulders, his head, how he held out his arms like he was holding a blanket, when the song comes on the radio, at a restaurant, at church or in the elevator, when I find pennies on the ground or in the weirdest places, when the basketball bounces on the court and no one's there, when I see him staring at me from the waist up when I'm in bed, when I find the Dutch key ring in the middle of the desert from him, when I meet the police officer who's wearing your memory bracelet, when I hear your voice sing, my son, when the kids see you standing in uniform on the porch, when I find the heart-shaped sticker on a leaf, when the digital frame stops for no reason at your photo, when he comes to me in a dream with a message, and when I hear his voice singing his favorite song, just like Romeo and Juliet, just like Romeo and Juliet. Thank you. You know, those are all actual examples from real stories that you've collected, are they not? They are. That's exactly every story that's in the book of how the couples meet, real ways that they meet, and then how they meet now. 
you know, it's only the body that we can't hold. And um, it's all good, it's all bad, and it's all ugly. But to me, it's all beautiful, and it is everlasting love uh, that connects in these beautiful threads and these beautiful ways to connect to our loved ones. So thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I appreciate the work that you're doing, service to the world, and bringing this information and messages and the healing work that you do in your practice. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. And I just, you know, I want to congratulate you on on the the great work that you're doing. And if there is anything that you uh, would like to say now before we end the show, if you want to tell everybody how they can find your book um, or or anything else, what your website is, uh, you can go ahead and do that now. And I'll make sure that I put that up on my website as well. Thank you. So my website is babyitsyou.org. That would be www.babyitsyou.org. And they can find links to the book. You can buy the book on Amazon. You can also buy the book through the Ozark Mountain Publishing. The book is available on Kindle. It's digital as well. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And, um, you know, you have an open invitation for uh, you to come back on when you publish your next book. Or, you know, if you have anything, any new work that you'd like to come on and discuss. I really enjoyed talking to you. I really enjoyed the book. I loved it. And, um, you know, I'm going to be referring everybody that I know who's interested in the topic and even anybody who's not to uh, check out your book. So thank you very much. Well, that's it for our episode today. Again, that was Maureen McGill, M-A-U-R-E-E-N-M-C-G-I-L-L, author of Baby It's You, Messages from Deceased Heroes on the topic of after-death communication here on Messages from the Multiverse. I hope you enjoyed the show. I want to thank you all for joining us here and supporting the show. If you think you or someone you know would make a great guest for Messages from the Multiverse, please contact us at messagesfromthemultiverse at gmail.com. If you wish to contact me directly regarding my hypnotherapy or shamanic practice, educational presentations and workshops, or speaking engagements, you can email me at ian at hypnotropia.com. That's I-A-N at H-Y-P-N-O-T-R-O-P-I-A dot com. You can also learn more about me, this podcast, and Hypnotropia by visiting the website www.hypnotropia.com. Messages from the Multiverse is available for subscription on iTunes and Apple's iOS podcast app on your mobile devices and can also be found at soundcloud.com or on the SoundCloud app for your smartphone or tablet. Also at hypnotropia.com and is coming soon to the Google Play Store. Until next time, honor and love yourselves, your fellow humans, and our planet. Be well.